Richard Pothig, now at Chapter 5 in On the Sidewalks of New York. It tells the story of how we often made trips to visit our relatives in Newark, New Jersey. Growing up in New York City was an all-consuming enterprise. It never occurred to me that there might be other places to live. You only knew New York. Your life was the daily routine of school, the streets, shopping, Sunday school, occasional trips to a park or to the zoo, and visits to grandmothers on East 83rd Street. You lived mostly on the island of Manhattan. My mother had other dreams. If life had treated her fairly, she would have lived in New Jersey or in Long Island. Life in a New York tenement climbing up and down five flights of stairs whenever an errand had to be done was wearing on her. Her tuberculosis claimed all her energy just to survive. Her resolve was what kept her going. She had other hopes for life. She treasured the memories of growing up with her cousins on the east side and of their good times together. She graduated from high school, an accomplishment in those days. She had a promising job. Then the Spanish flu epidemic of 1919 struck and she became a victim. The epidemic left her with tuberculosis and with the need for an environment which would extend her days. She looked to New Jersey or Long Island. That's where her cousins had settled. They lived in New York as children, but they had gotten their ticket out. It was to Long Island and New Jersey we made periodic journeys when my mother had the energy. And these were special days. We made day trips. We would take the subway, the IRT, into rapid transit, downtown, either to Grand Central Station for the Long Island Railroad or to Penn Station for the Hudson Tubes to New Jersey. The thought of a visit to Long Island or to New Jersey brought brightness to the day. Even at a young age, I recognized how my mother's demeanor changed when we were on our way outside New York. Our destination in Long Island was Garden City. Even the name was encouraging to me. My mother's cousin, Emma West, lived in Garden City. Emma's mother, Tante Katie, was from the Seifert side of the family. My mother's mother, Alvina Schosel, was a Seifert. Tante Katie had married Charles Seifert. Charles had died, and Tante Katie lived in an apartment in the Lutheran Church building in New York City. It was an early version of a retirement home. Her daughter, Emma's husband, George West, was a buyer in a New York department store. My cousin George Jr. was about five years older than I. I admired George. He was tall and good-looking and had the air of a college boy about him. He was a genial person and showed deference to a poor cousin from New York. Today, I would call it good middle-class manners. The West House had a large yard and was a palace in my young eyes. It was difficult for me to realize that any of my relatives had this lifestyle. Our most frequent trips were to New Jersey. The William Railing family lived in Newark. The Railings were related to my mother through Liesel, their mother, who was a Schosel. Elizabeth, or Liesel, was a sister of my grandfather, Paul Schosel. There were five children in the Railing family. Charles, that's Carly, Elizabeth, that's Lise, Emma, Tina, and Oscar. During her teenage years, Lise was my mother's favorite cousin. The Railings owned two brownstone tenements, 435 and 437 on East 79th Street between 1st and York Avenues. 
After the death of William Railing, the family sold the tenements in the mid-twenties and moved to New Jersey. But in their teenage and young adult years, my mother and Lise were constant companions. My mother enjoyed our trips to New Jersey. We would be down at Penn Station early in the morning to catch the Hudson Tubes from the west side of Manhattan to the Newark Station. We began early in the morning, my mother would say, so we could make a day of it. I felt lost in Penn Station, but I liked the fact that I was there among people who were going somewhere. We found the number of our track and descended to the platform below. The train platform was bathed in a dim brown hue. We walked along the platform looking for a car which had plenty of empty seats. I always took the window seat. The conductor called out, All aboard for Newark! And then we'd go on through a long list of other destinations. The train started off with a sudden jerk and began rolling slowly out of the dim lit station and then plunged into the darkness of the Hudson tubes. The train caroomed along under the Hudson River, the lights in the car flickering, then going off, and then we would ride in darkness for what seemed an eternity. They would go on again, and suddenly we would break out into the light of New Jersey, a whole new world. When we got close to Newark Station, I could feel my mother's spirit lifting. We descended the station steps out into the world of Newark. We waited at the trolley car stop. Finally, the trolley would come rumbling down the street. We climbed in, paid our fare, and would continue our journey through the avenues and streets of Newark and finally out into the suburbs. The scene changed from the busy downtown with its substantial department stores and its high-rise office buildings, then through the inner city with its apartment houses and small, closely set homes, and out into the area of neatly kept houses and lawns of the outskirts. My mother kept a close eye for our stop. When she saw it coming up, she pulled the cord and the driver rumbled the trolley to a stop. We got down from the trolley and walked along the avenue of homes with their porches and generous front yards. In two or three streets we would be at Ivy Street, where the railings lived. It was assuring to see the railing house as we came down the street. It was a brick house with a high peak. It was twice as long as it was wide. There was a large side yard enclosed by a low link fence. Set in the yard was a large, fully leafed tree shading the side lawn. Alongside the house was a driveway with a garage at the back of the yard. There were two entrances, one at the front of the house at the top of a set of red brick stairs and the other at the side of the house off the driveway. We entered through the link fence, up the driveway and rang the side door bell. A warm reception always greeted us. There was an immediate comfortable feeling when we entered the railing home. Usually it was Carly who came to the door. He was the eldest son. He was a compact, well-built person with dark hair and a ready smile. His strong handshake gave a clue to his work. He was a skilled machinist. He did the heavy work around the house. Tante Liesel waited at the top of a small flight of stairs which led into the kitchen. 
She was a round, amiable, bespectacled woman with an infectious laugh. She spoke with a detectable German accent. She made sure everyone was cared for and well-fed. Lise, my mother's favorite cousin, was always nearby to hug and kiss us both. She always treated me as a special person. She knew that with my mother's tuberculosis, it was a gift that she could have borne me. Tina, the middle daughter, would be seated in a chair at the kitchen table. She was blind. She had been blinded by chemicals in a factory in which she had worked. She always seemed to have questions especially for me, like she had been storing them up for a long time. Carly would invariably invite me down into the basement. Here we would find Oscar, the other son, working on some project. He, like Carly, was a skilled craftsman. Oscar was deaf and dumb. His greeting was belabored, but he made up for it in his obvious joy at our presence. The family talked to Oscar in sign language, and he always had some neat welcome to communicate to us through lease. He, too, would have some questions especially for me. Carly knew I looked forward to going down into the basement. It had been made into the family room with a corner for everyone. The particular skills of the family were evident in the variety of equipment available. There was a corner for sewing and embroidering, a workshop table for woodworking and electrical tinkering, and a place just for plain reading. And easy chairs were there to sit in. It was a spacious place, bigger than all our tenement rooms put together. At least it seemed so to me at eight years of age. Most of the light in the room came from a large, colorful Tiffany lamp hanging over a large, round oak table in the middle of the room. Not only did it give light, but it set the tone for the comfortable feeling I had about the room. The Tiffany shade symbolized for me the warmth of the Railing family. Around lunch time, Emma, the oldest Railing daughter, would arrive. She was married to Harry Pfeiffer and lived a walking distance from her mother's home. She also had a son, Bobby, who was about seven years older than me. Emma, like the rest of the railings, was a good-natured person. The conversations during our visit were always filled with good feelings and laughter. Some of it was remembrances. My mother was called Henny. It was a name the cousins had used when they were together on the east side. Lisa and my mother were constant companions. Possibly they had worked together. They all had been confirmed in the same Lutheran church on East 84th Street. Lisa and my mother partied together. The pictures of them in classic masquerade costumes give expression to their good times. Emma always had good things to say to me. She was the one who called me Dickie. The railings were the only folks who called me Dick. That was a little elegant for my mother. She called me Richie, and this was the name I was called on the streets. The day at the railings passed quickly. The trip back to New York was long, three separate rides. We got our trolley back to the Newark station. It was between dusk and darkness by the time we got on our tram to Newark. When we got to Penn Station, it was evening. There was still the subway ride, and the walk home from 86th Street and Lexington Avenue the IRT subway stop. All the way home, my mind was on how great it would be for my mother and father to have a place like the railings. When we got back to First Avenue, there was the five stories of steps to climb. 
we had made a very good day of it.